right. Well, we're here in my house. Together. Together. In the flesh. In the flesh, baby. I could reach out and touch you if I wanted to. And the audience loves it. <laughs> I have a uh, Roadcaster Pro 2, which I was sent, uh, which I didn't order. I was sent on accident. And, uh, uh, what? I mean, what? <laughs> I definitely ordered it. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> this thing is so silly so anyway yeah you're in michigan i am i'm here and this uh, is is this the third time this is the second time i've been here right since we've started the yeah show. okay the first time we did have plans to make to do an episode in person and then i had a little well i didn't end up having covid but I thought I did. Yeah, it was a little scare. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was at the time where it was like, no, no, taking no chances. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was 2021, maybe. Well, no, we didn't start the show till 22. So it was summer of 22. So last summer. Was it last summer that I came out here? I think so. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like late spring, early summer, I want to say. Yeah, I think I was only here for three, four days last time. I'm here for the whole week, though. The whole week. I've been here all week. So I guess to get started, you said you had a a terrible airline experience. Yeah, it was really unfortunate because, like I was telling you earlier, I usually enjoy the airport experience, getting there, you know, a little bit early, going through security. Yeah. Which is, you know, that kind of sucks. But, you know, once you're there, it's just, you know, get something to eat. And the anticipation of going on the trip, it's something I enjoy. But this time around, it was just terrible. So, <laughs> uh, our flight was uh, set to depart 10, 10 15 in the morning. So, we get to the airport right around. 7 45 8 o'clock so it should be plenty of time right uh, this is the first time we've ever actually had to check a bag though so i was a little bit unsure of how that process would go but i uh, figured that out really quick but the problem was with with leia um, not having to pay for a ticket with her she's considered like a lap child so she was <laughs> lap a, child is such a yeah, weird term that's what they referred to <laughs> this is my lap um, child yeah <laughs> so yeah when when i tried to check in uh through the app it wouldn't give me a boarding pass because leia was under my boarding pass and it said i had to see an agent okay so i get there first i get in the line to check the bag i'm like okay let me get this out of the way i should be able to check the bag they just Usually, because it happened before last time we flew, where I had to see the agent, but they didn't make me see the agent until after security at the actual gate. And they were like, okay, we just have to make sure that the seat we assigned you is safe for the child. That whole thing. Okay. So I that's what I was anticipating this time, but it was completely different. So it wouldn't even let me check the bag. So I already was in line to 
know, do the at the kiosk to get the ticket for your bag, and then you stand in another line to actually send the bag off. It's like a whole automated system. Okay. So I get up there, I go to scan the thing, which it has a QR code on there to scan at the kiosk to send the bag, even though it's not technically the boarding pass yet. It wouldn't go through. <laughs> Excuse me. So I'm like, all right, now let me get in the line to see the agent. So I can get the boarding pass, I can check this bag, and we can go on about our you know, our vacation. Now, mind you, I just got off of work at 3 in the morning. Okay. So I get off of work at 3 in the morning, I get home. By the time I get home, it's just really enough time for me to get in the shower, get dressed, load the car up, and for us to head to the airport. So I'm like... So you left the car at the airport then? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I feel like that's kind of part of becoming an adult is you stop looking for people to take you to the airport and you just pay for the parking. <laughs> you got Uber, bro. But Get Uber that is so expensive. That's true. It's like a $50 ride to and from. Because I live a, a good 45 minutes from the airport oh. in Dallas. So it's cheaper, honestly, just to pay. How parking. much is that? It's like $12 a day. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and it's just more convenient to not have to deal with strapping the car seat into somebody's car and then have to unstrap it. Right. The whole thing. So anyway, uh, so I get in the line to see the agent. And the line's kind of long, but well, I'm being patient. I'm trying to be patient. So I get up to the desk. Um, I give the lady my bag. I'm like, okay, this is what happened. She's like, okay, yeah, we just need to see your ID. The second I give this lady my ID, the entire airline system goes down. What? All their computers go down. They can't log into anything. They can't print boarding passes. They can't do anything. And it's a good hour or so of me just like, because now I'm up at the counter. I'm next in line. Like, I don't want to lose my space in line. So like, okay, I got to sit here and I got to wait. Plus, this lady still has my ID. <laughs> <laughs> and and Leah and my fiance are over sitting down waiting. and. You know, poor Leia, we had gotten her up at like six in the morning and she didn't go back to sleep in the car. So she's just been up, but she was tired. And like I said, it was just such a long wait. And then the also the thing in the back of my mind is, okay, I've never checked a bag before, but they say you got to, the bag's got to be checked like 30 to 45 minutes before the plane departs. We're already past that now. But they keep saying, like, oh, don't worry. No planes are leaving. No planes are leaving. If the system's down here, the system's down over there. I'm like, okay, but I'm still worried about if this bag is going to make it to the plane in time. Right. Because in my head, I'm imagining, like, well, as soon as that system comes back online, they're going to start boarding immediately. Right. So we still might miss it. So finally, after, like, an hour, 30 minutes, it finally comes back on. Holy moly. So they print the boarding. Then, this is also what irritates me, because I had already explained to the lady, like, okay, yeah, I have the lap child, the whole nine yards. The whole time the system has been down, she could have been like, okay, when this comes back up, we're going to need to see the child, then we're going to need to see the other passenger so we can check them in too, even though she was already checked in. She waited until the system was back up, like, all right, let's hurry up and get this done. Oh, wait, no, I need to see the child. That like come on now I gotta go get them get all the stuff lug it over here so you can do the so that took a little bit more time right 
then going through security <laughs> with the car seat and everything, that actually went by pretty quick. But <laughs> so we get out and we're at gate E32, where we get out of security is like E5. Uh so <laughs> you had to walk. <laughs> we had to walk all the way down. And when I tell you we got there, we hit the last call for the plane. <laughs> We were like the last few people on the plane, but then we still had to check the car seat, but you check the car seat at the gate, but usually you'll see like two or three of them sitting there when you drop it off. There was none. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, what if they fucking forget the car seat? Right. I could potentially be out of the car seat and our bag <laughs> because we're getting on so late. So the whole plane ride here was just like stress and anxiety until i fell asleep how was uh how was leia on the plane she fell asleep probably about an hour in but but she actually did really good this is her second time on a plane oh yeah Um, the first time i think she was around six seven months she slept the whole time then but yeah she did pretty good this time that's good yeah which i guess really if you can get that out of your trip as long as your your kid is okay on the plane and doesn't freak out, like taking off, ears popping, I guess I should count myself lucky. That's true. That is strange. Then I got here and the hotel sucked. <laughs> yeah, little La Quinta in. Yeah. But we're in a better place now. Yeah. In hell. <laughs> <laughs> It's slightly awkward because I can't hear it. I should have brought my headphones, but I guess I'll get the full experience listening back. Yeah, you'll get to experience it later. Yeah. I keep looking over here. I'm admiring your uh, your Zelda Switch. It's very beautiful. Oh, yeah. My very little, beautiful. My little Zelda OLED. I completely understand that, you know, you... That's what, the fourth one? The fourth Switch? <laughs> <laughs> you too many goddamn Switches. But I am selling my one to Travis. Yeah, I'm so. taking that off your hands. He's leaving my house today with a brand, well, with a year-old Nintendo Switch. <laughs> a certified refurbished. <laughs> certified refurbished. <laughs> it's never not funny. No. <laughs> like every, every time. <laughs> You got to put one on there of just the aw hallie. <laughs> I'm totally going to do that. I, I definitely want to fill up those uh those pads with uh some dumb just the dumbest noises <laughs> ever. Yeah. It does have What else does it have? Um, oh, it's got crickets. The whole podcast is just going to be us playing with this thing. <laughs> What's the deal with airline food? Oh, oh yeah, it's got a little music. Oh. What? You can't hear it, Travis. No, I can't. Alright, shut up. Shut the fuck up! Another one you could put in there is um the little jingle I sing to myself usually every episode. The clown jingle. <laughs> that's a really good idea actually i did put one custom one on here 
for fans of Airbud. So that was a good one. Really, everyone should be fans of Airbud. What's not to like there? Everyone should be fans of Airbud. <laughs> it's a it's a very good wholesome movie. It's a it's wholesome content. <laughs> no sinners in this world. <laughs> just just a dog playing basketball. Well, I mean, the clown was a bad guy, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah, but he he got his comeuppance. He got his. Yeah. The Lord works in mysterious <laughs> ways. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So I said I had a little surprise for you, Travis. And uh, I do. Oh, yeah. I want you to know that I finally read a motherfucking book. Oh, hell yeah. I read a book. Wait, wait, wait. I did it, y'all. There? I read Console Wars by Blake J. Harris. It basically uh, documents the the rise and fall of Sega of America and Sega of Japan. Let's see, how many pages is this? How many pages did you plow through? Yeah. Did you read the epilogue? Should I count that? I did read the epilogue. Okay, so we're looking at 556 pages. Well done, my friend. I read 556 pages of a goddamn book. All right. How many stars are you giving this thing? Well, uh, I, guess, I guess we should start with your recommended. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy you it. You did enjoy a it? A lot of it was about sort of the more of the marketing side of the 90s console wars between Sega Genesis and... Uh, Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, Sega does what Nintendo don't, right? True. Yeah, they got blast processing, brother, which oh, is yeah. literally not. It means nothing. Um, <laughs> it's just a fucking made up word. So a lot of this was about uh the CEO of Sega of America, Tom Kalinske, and he worked. He so he used to work at Mattel and mm-hmm. was was really known for like. I mean, because Barbie was popular, but he made it more popular. And then he also was uh, responsible for the rise of He-Man because he wanted to bring in a a toy for little boys as well. So He-Man was, I don't want to say his creation, but he was in charge when that came out. So then he was in Hawaii and the... President of Sega of Japan, uh, Hayao Nakayama, I want to say his name was. Um, literally, he was in Hawaii and tracked <laughs> tracked him down and was like, yo, I want you to be the president of Sega of America. And uh, I, I said CEO earlier, but I meant president. Those two terms are interchangeable, apparently. Um, but yeah, it's just about his uh his work there when he started. They had a six percent market share of the console <laughs> of of consoles in America because Nintendo had like a ninety four percent stranglehold on mm-hmm. America. And then, you know, with his with his leadership and uh his team and their ideas, they got it. They held a sixty three percent market share of America. So, I mean, he was very successful in marketing the Sega Genesis and the Sega brand 
Um, in terms of like making money, I don't know if they made a lot of money because a lot of this book too is about um sort of like the the money involved with these stores. So like a lot of it was if you had product that you kept at a store for a long time, the store would return it and get their refund back on it, which is like absurd because nothing was wrong with it. Um, so, but then Sega started making some bad decisions, putting out too many consoles. At one point they had the Sega Genesis game gear, Sega CD Pico, which was a, a child's like edutainment, uh, console. And then, they released the the Sega 32X, which was another add-on expansion to the Sega Genesis. And then one year later, they released the uh, the Saturn. Yeah, just a lot of bad decisions on Sega's part, and a lot of this bl- places the blame on uh, Japan, which I don't know if that's necessarily true, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this book's really interesting. A lot of it, it does focus a lot on Sega. It's kind of the underdog story, if you will. Um, It does, but then it shifts a little bit and focuses on Nintendo. But the more interesting aspect is throughout the book, they talk about uh, Sony's involvement with the two companies. Mm -hmm. Because originally Sony was going to make a console or an add-on console to the Super Nintendo, which was going to be called the Nintendo PlayStation, which is wild. Um, But then at, I can't remember if it was a Chicago trade show or eat. No, it was. So it was, they had this event called the Chicago entertainment expo or something like that. Or no, I don't remember what it's called now, but Nintendo was going to announce that they were working with Sony. And so Sony representatives were in the audience. Mm -hmm. And then Nintendo gets up there, like the marketing team, and they say, and we're going to look to the future towards CD-ROM, and we're going to partner with Philips Entertainment. And like totally blindsided (laughs) Sony. Just a bunch of dickheads. (laughs) And where's Philips at today? Yeah, for real. Making cheap TVs. And then Sega was going to partner with Sony, and they did for a little bit for uh, software for the Sega CD. But then Sony went and, uh, yeah, got their made their own console. And we we all know the rest from <laughs> yeah, there. The rest is history. <laughs> the, another a great part in this book is at, like, E3, the first E3 in 1995, uh, Sega came up and they announced the Saturn was coming and they gave the price of like three ninety nine. and the head of Sega of America or sorry, Sony of America who actually worked at Sega of America under Tom Kalinske, which is wild. Um, came up to the podium and said two ninety nine, and that's it. Oh yeah. I remember I seen that clip. And uh, another crazy thing about, that E3 is Sega of Japan wanted to get the Saturn out like soon because originally both the Saturn and 
PlayStation were going to come out in September of 95. There was like a week difference between the two. And Sega Japan wanted them to release Saturn as soon as possible. So at the event, Tom Kalinske told everyone that the Saturn was available right now. But because of that, third-party developers who had initially uh, thought they had more time to release for launch became angry because they did this without approaching anyone. And uh, they, they didn't have enough stock to release to all the stores, so they had to pick and choose. So then uh, distributors were mad. So it was just... Really, the book is about making one bad decision after another and paying for it. <laughs> it's console wars, but it's really the downfall of Sega. It really is. But it's a good book. Um, like I said, a lot of it is more so the marketing, which is interesting, but it's not like... It doesn't like dive into like a lot of the games, per se. There is an interesting chapter or sequence they kind of there's a series of chapters where they eventually you eventually find out that this is about the making of donkey kong country and how that kind of blew sega out of the water because for a lot of the early 90s nintendo was sort of uh more conservative in their advertisement like they would show gameplay but sega was all about bashing nintendo just Nintendo stinks, dude. <laughs> look at this. Look at this slow ass game. Look at Sonic. He's so fast. And uh, <laughs> then at towards the late era of Super Nintendo, Nintendo was like, "All right, you want you want to play like that? You want you want to talk some shit? Call this number. <laughs> Call this number. <laughs> talk some talk shit, some shit. <laughs> bitch." <laughs> You gotta put that one on there too. Damn, you're right. <laughs> What's that one part in that video where the dude he's like Jewish, and then the guy's like, "How dare you call me out of the Shabbat with some bullshit like?" That? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Um, yeah, it was a good read though. I liked it a lot. Um, I would give it about. Motherfucking uh, <laughs> fucking uh, I'm trying to think of a, a scale. Um, I'll just go with the standard. I'd probably give it like a four stars out of five. I would say. Oh yeah, it's a it's written very well. It's a very interesting narrative. Yeah, really. That's like. With books like that, where you pretty much, it's nonfiction, right? So it's really all about how it's written. Yeah. And yeah. So was it like, was this a book you've had for a while? No, I you just picked it up. Or I literally just... just bought it like maybe a week or okay. and a half ago. So were you out looking for a book or were you just browsing? And My girlfriend and I were at Barney's and Nobly. And uh, store of all time, and we're just kind of browsing. Um, <laughs> it is was, there anything better to be doing with your time? Is there than anything just browsing through Barnes and Noble? It was raining so hard oh. on the drive there that when we got out of the car, 
Dude, that's like the perfect day in my book. <laughs> I wish you were there, bud. <laughs> Instead of my girl. I'm just kidding. Um, It was raining so hard that I gave her the umbrella and I had a poncho in my car. So I put it on and I just walked through the rain in this red ass poncho. And then had to put the wet poncho in my back pocket while I walked through. Barney's and nobly. But uh yeah, we were just kind of browsing and I saw this and I was like, you know, I'm interested in that. <laughs> and then read it in maybe four days. Damn. Yeah, I plowed through this book. Plowed through it, brother. <laughs> and uh oh, he's got another one over there. He's hiding. Started started a whole other book. I'm gonna read motherfucker now. <laughs> I can read. Uh, it's called want? it's called Sellout by Dan Ozzy. All right, it is about uh, after in the early '90s, '91, when Nirvana got signed to a major label. They were a young, like a young indie, well, underground, I should say, not indie, underground sort of punk rock band and they got signed to a major label and exploded mm-hmm. became a huge band and so all these uh all these major record labels like started infiltrating underground music scenes looking for the next Nirvana mm-hmm. um so this book is about a bunch of those bands that they signed and whether or not they became successful i read the portion about green day and obviously green day became successful um, now I'm reading the section about Jawbreaker and Jawbreaker did not become successful in terms of like a labels, the label standards and monetarily mm-hmm. they did not. But right now I'm reading about that. So. Oh yeah. I wish I liked more nonfiction. Yeah. Apparently I just need to read nonfiction. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that might be your thing. I, I can't, I've tried even like, when before Leia was born, like trying to read like parent books and like, you know, dad books and stuff like that. Like I read them, but they were a chore. Like they weren't like reading for me is like more so escaping really. Right. I don't really <laughs> want to read history and stuff. Like I get the appeal and I, I wish I did. Um, but I'm just not there. I, I'm not mature enough, I guess. Yeah, you got to be 34 years old to okay. uh, to appreciate nonfiction. Okay. Well, I'm, well, I'm just turning 30 today, so I got a little. Oh yeah, guess go. what, y'all? Yeah. It today is my fucking Travis birthday. You got. <laughs> <laughs> just one one extra one for good measure happy man. birthday dude appreciate it man and you decided to come to michigan and spend your birthday <laughs> recording a podcast <laughs> <laughs> well it was more so kind of like the stars aligning there were there were other reasons to come to michigan this week and it just so happened it all worked out it all worked out it all worked out um how old are you 30 yeah 30 30 Dirty 30. Dirty 30. Wait, you going to try to drink 30 beers for your birthday? No, I don't drink anymore. <laughs> when I turned 30, I tried to drink 30 beers. Because I got the idea from uh, 
it's always sunny in Philadelphia because they wore, they started wearing shirts and <laughs> they started wearing blank shirts and then they would mark off how many beers they drank and it would just be like a tally. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I literally bought a black shirt and wrote 30 beers for 30 years <laughs> <laughs> and then started checking it as I was uh, going about my day. I got to like, here's the problem. I was doing very different beers of varying sizes throughout the day. Mm. So I got to like 15, I think, and was like, I'm going to fucking black out. Damn, I can't <laughs> even imagine, dude. I hate being hungover. I hate being too drunk. Like, you know, when you get too drunk, like you... you it's like you cross a threshold where it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just not it turns fun. sour on you. Yeah, you're straight up not, not having, having a, a good time. time. <laughs> yeah, drinking is fun for a, a minute, like just kind of like, and well, for me, I know a lot of people are very different, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, for me, when I drink initially, it kind of just like makes me more joyful, I guess, but then like. There is a there is a line that you cross where you drink a little too much and you just shouldn't have done that. Me, I usually like when I drink or when I smoke, I tend to become a little bit more of a social butterfly. Yeah. Um, but then I reach a point where I I become very conscious of how much I'm talking, <laughs> and then I just get anxiety because I feel like I'm oversharing and I'm talking too much. So I usually just like to indulge in private. <laughs> I I had one beer with my old man two days ago, but other than that, I I usually don't what, don't drink. Would Would you drink with the old the old man? Bud Light. That I hear that beer is gay, and that's Tweet why you own. should drink it. Yeah, <laughs> drink the gay beer. <laughs> Hell yeah, gay beer! <laughs> this episode yeah. is either going to be the just best the best ever or so goddamn obnoxious. <laughs> there, there is no middle ground here. <laughs> But yeah, drinking I, I don't know. But like I I did tell you earlier though, I have been uh I have been hitting the dispensaries up while I've been here. Oh yeah. yeah. There are a lot of dispensaries in Michigan. A lot. I'll tell you that. You know what's crazy is it it got legalized right before I moved away. <laughs> and I, I wanna say that might have been the first time I voted. That was an important election to vote. So I'm I'm reaping the uh benefits of my labor you're finally reaping yeah, the benefits yeah. yeah uh how long have you been gone again uh since october of 2019 wow you know what's crazy is that night the the last night i worked when we all went to the bar that's the last time i've been drunk that was a <laughs> that was a night that was a night i'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> that like turned bad, didn't it? Very bad. Yeah. That's one of those times where like got out of hand. It that that's another case of there being a line and <laughs> there being a certain threshold you cross. 
there there was a crossing of yeah. that. Um, but you know, before that, everything was a okay. We were doing fine. I was out of my mind, dude. I, I was drunk out of my mind. <laughs> Shawnee had to beat you up a little bit. No, she she, she took care of me. She's okay. smacking you up. Nah, she made sure I got. Well, I don't know. Was she? You? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I was unconscious. I don't know. But uh, no, nah, she made sure I got home safe. That's good. Yeah. Good times. You know what the the worst part is? Is always doubling back to get your car the next day wherever you left it. Oh yeah, I think. Oh no, that was another time. I was drinking with another work friend. Uh, around that same time and uh, stayed at her place and left my car at the bar. So, like, then I worked in the morning, so we had to, like, go up there early as fuck to get my car. Luckily, I got sent home that day. Not for being drunk. <laughs> I, like... I, I like, hope not. I asked to go home because I was not... <laughs> I was not feeling the greatest. And they they sent me home. It was at work, straight up, not having a good time. Straight up, <laughs> not having a good time. I swear to God. All right, so yeah, I'm a reader now, and uh, well, I guess uh, I guess that's good. So now you can well, obviously it's good, but um, I hope you keep it up, and we can uh, start a little book club, maybe. Ooh, the NCBC. Yeah, or maybe we can just uh, since you read nonfiction, I read fiction. We can um. Give recommendations for each, maybe. I don't know. Nerds Collide Book Club, NCBC, on the go. way. There you go. 2024. I, I did finish Kill Creek, too. You did, I yeah. I did, yeah. I finished it hey, a week and a half ago. Maybe, no, maybe sooner. Yeah, I did finish it, finally. I got to the end where I got to, like, the climax, which is maybe the last 75 pages, and that took, like, a four- or five-day break. Not intentionally, but it was just... You're like, I can't handle it. <laughs> really? This <so>. is intense. <laughs> what an intense climax. <laughs> <laughs> what an intense climax. <laughs> Hell yeah. And that's all, folks. So the ending um, was the one part... <clears throat> That I didn't really remember much of. But basically how it ended was the house. All the writers went back to the house. Okay. And they all, because they all, when they left the first time, had started writing a novel. And all of them were basically writing the same variation of the same book. Okay. And they all got stuck at the same point in the book where... Where wherever each of them were in a house in each story, and there's the third floor that there's a room that's bricked off. Okay. Um, each one of them stopped at the point where they break like the first brick free. Okay. Um. So you get to the point in the book where <clears throat> they've already left the house, they've already kind of experienced writing the book, and then whenever they stop writing the book they like start seeing like visions and stuff. Um, each one of them has a different vision. Like, like the one writer, it comes to her as like her ex-husband who was abusive. 
Okay. Um, another one it comes to to the guy as his mother who passed away when he was a kid. The other one, the other writer, it was his publisher who was his secret lover, and then the fourth writer, which this one was kind of triggering for me, but it was his daughter who died in the book. Um. So yeah, each one of them they leave the house and they they're starting writing the same variation of the same book. And then you find out it was the house like basically chose one of the writers and he finished the book. So when they all like grouped back up, the one guy was like, Oh no, I finished mine. So it was kind of like the house chose him because basically the story is the house wasn't haunted. It became haunted because people believed it was so now it really is haunted and there's an entity that lives in the house but it keeps when the house kind of falls out of the public eye and people aren't talking about it it loses its power so okay. with them four writers coming to the house for this you know for this broadcast or this event that was an opportunity for the house to get its name back out there kind of you know to kind of regain its power mm-hmm. so yeah, regain that status. Right. So all the writers get to the house, and they're trying to bust the wall down. The writer whose daughter passed away, he gets possessed by the house, and he starts killing people. So he he kills the guy who brought the four writers to the house because he was with them. He attempted to kill the the female writer, and then later on, he started attacking who was like the main character. And then also the the guy who finished the story, he was also there. Basically, he was attacking all of them. So it kind of turned from a paranormal story to almost like a slasher, almost. Yeah, sort of possession mm-hmm. story. So basically, um, damn, I finished it a few like last week, so it's not that fresh in my mind. Right. But basically, it, it wraps up... Um, Two of the writers end up dead. The other two survive. Um, but you find out later that the the uh, what was her name in the book? I forget her name, but she was the she was the author who she le- leaned more towards like the extreme horror. Okay. So you think that she's dead, or she's attacked by the one writer earlier and then she pops back up but you you just think like okay well she survived the attack but really what it was it was the she's she's now possessed by the house damn a double possession yeah (laughs) and then you get to the end of the book where now her and the guy sam who he was like the main character right they they get back together for the first time since they survived the house and this is where he finds out that she's not her because she comes out and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm writing a book. I finished it about the house. So it kind of ends not on the cliffhanger, but it, it ends where like the the house the story is going to continue for the house and the house is going to continue to be powerful and lure people to it. So the house wins in the end. The house wins. The house on Kill Creek wins in the end. Is there a. A sequel novel? Not to my knowledge. Let's look it up real quick, though. We have the power of the internet. 
I believe this was the first novel from this author, if I'm not mistaken. This was... No, but it does look like Showtime is developing a series based on it. Which will probably be bad. Yeah, it's Showtime. The only thing good on Showtime is the porn. Am I right? <laughs> I was thinking of the Cinemax, actually. Remember, they used to call it Skinemax? Skinemax. <laughs> I do want to point out in this book, uh, Console Wars by Blake J. Harris, it starts with a foreword by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Obviously, Seth Rogen is the famous comedic actor. Evan Goldberg is his kind of longtime writing partner. Mm-hmm. This part of the book is terrible. Oh God! It's, it's just, <laughs> it's just them talking amongst each other about video games in the 1990s and making really bad jokes. And I was, I was like, I don't know, I, I don't know about this. Did I make a, did I make the right decision here? Like. Uh, they go over like which console they preferred. Seth Rogen preferred Sega Genesis because it was marketed more towards teenagers and uh, adults, and Evan liked Nintendo. So Evan, I presumably had never played Sega Genesis. So he he asks, "Hey, here's a Sega question. What's up with Sonic and Tails?" And Seth responds, "What?" It was just a classic platonic speedster hedgehog in his two-tail fox relationship. And Evan said, I felt some tension there. Sexual. And then Seth said, oh, it was sexual. So I feel like maybe this comes across better when they're talking to each other. Yeah, maybe like in the the audiobook version. But in reading it, I was like, "Mm." It's almost like you're reading a screenplay, but it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. And they would know something about writing bad screenplays, am I right? Hell yeah. That was a little drum fill. <laughs> it's going to be hard going back to recording the way we usually do now. <laughs> Things will never be the same ever again. Yeah, I guess Justin will just have to move to Dallas. Did say you had to move. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Don't threaten me with a good time. Listen, man, my job's always hiring. Your job sounds fucking horrible. It's like, not any worse than what your job is now. It's actually doing less work. It's just dealing with the same BS you have to deal with with the people you work with. Which, you're going to get that everywhere. I guess that's true. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna convince Justin to move to Dallas. Here I come, Texas. I'm gonna convince him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drag him down there for a few days, and I'm just gonna show him all the fun parts. This is the fun part. And you just point. You 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 spread your arms wide open. Yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> it's all fun. Just don't come down there when it's like 100 degrees. That might turn you off. Woo, it's too hot. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I played Portal 2. 
Finally. Pornos always interested me. Yeah, same. I had never, I had never played it. I owned a Xbox 360, but there weren't enough games on the Xbox consoles to sway me to play a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were shooters, and I'm not too interested in Love shooting a good games. Shooter. Shooters or whatever. Give it's me like, a nice FPS, sixty frames per second. Sixty frames per second in there on the Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your Xbox games? Where's your Xbox games? <laughs> um, but Portal was one that I was interested in. Nice. It's very good. Portal Two, honestly, might be better than one. So then that got me thinking because I was I was in this Discord talking about how I had just played Portal Two, and someone said that game might be a perfect game. What are what are some of the perfect games? Hmm. Only two come to mind for me. What you got? Tetris, I think, is is about as perfect as a video game can be. It is easy to play, hard to master. It's got great music. And, yeah, it's you're just right. enthralling gameplay. Yeah, you're right. And then the other is Super Mario World. I was, I was trying to think of which... Pretty much like any 2D Mario platformer is yeah, going to be one of those. That would be the one. I think World is probably the one. Three is probably considered better by most people, but I just think World, um, World looks better. Yeah, and you know some of the all-time classic music. Got you and Yoshi is in it, obviously. So. When I think back to my earliest Mario memories, playing video games is playing Super Mario World. So those are pretty much the two where I was like, those are probably as close as you're ever going to get. Tetris is one I wouldn't have thought of, but you're right. You ever you ever get obsessed with Tetris? Where, oh, yeah. To the point where you start seeing blocks in everyday life. <laughs> like... <laughs> Just your mental image. I can't say I've gone that far. <laughs> so obviously, if you're looking out into the world, you see what you see, but then there's almost like a filter. I got you. In front of it of just falling <laughs> blocks. It's, it is strange, and I never understood that. How long did that last for? I, I've had several obsessions with Tetris. Um, one was right after the rebuild at a... My job. So right when, around when I started. Right when you started. So I would just be on my phone playing it. And it's Tetris is on so many consoles. I think it's on every console ever. Anything with a screen on it has yeah. Tetris. <laughs> Anything with a screen or able you can to. probably att- turn this TV on right now. We'll get Tetris pulled up somehow. <laughs> Bet. <laughs> Let's do it. While we look up Tetris. Um. You know what else I've been playing a lot of lately? What have you been playing? I've been playing a lot of solitaire on my phone. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I go through at least three times a year I, where I just, like, it's usually, like, whenever I want to take a break from social media and I just delete those apps off my phone. But, you know, you still have, like, there it is. There it is, apps and games, Tetris. Look, you got <laughs> Tetris, Tetra Effect, Super Tetris. What's Super Tetris? Tetris is a classic puzzle game. I 
know. Maybe this is like a knockoff. It, it, yeah, I think this is a knockoff Tetris. You know what's great is even the knockoff Tetrises are great. That's true. Match Blocks TV Edition. There you go. Christmas Tetris. Oh, hell yeah. Tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe? Matter, masters.com. Well, Look at that. Block Super Mario puzzle. World. Yeah, that's the cartoon show. Yeah. Ecstasy of Order. The Tetris Masters. <laughs> Look gotta, at this. You gotta buy this. No, free to download. The tr- so this is a trial. The oh. trial will end after successfully clearing 45 lines. And then you have to buy the real game. You're going to get through those 45 lines quick, though. Uh, Don't you think? Let's see if I can... Let's see how fast you go. I'm going to time you. Let's see how fast you go through 45 lines and the trial ends. This is downloading pretty fast. Spoiler alert, we're going to be here for the next few hours. You just keep missing. <laughs> Fuck! This is quality content right here. James Z Games presents Tetris. Yeah, this is this is interesting. I never thought I'd be playing Tetris on my television without a game console hooked up to it. Uh-oh. It's taking a while to load. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Damn you, Jazzy Jamesy Games. Damn you, James. What would you what would you say is a is a perfect game? Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. It's hard. Uh oh, here we go. Oh, we got it. We got some uh elevator music playing right now. Very cool. Sure, we'll play trial. Complete five levels. That's not. See, this is that classic Tetris song right here. Mm-hmm. Although this is more like a dubstep version of it. Well, not dubstep, but. I have a friend named Josh who might be the best Tetris player I've ever seen in my life. One time had a 30-minute conversation with his girlfriend at the time while playing Tetris and just fucking annihilated. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm just playing Tetris on the TV. What a wild time we live in. Yeah. Would you say The Last of Us is a perfect game? I'm in a mixed feeling about The Last of Us right now because I've realized very recently that I don't know if I like the Naughty Dog gameplay loop anymore. Where you. Because the, the gameplay loop is obviously. Um, you have to figure out how to successfully maneuver through a uh, 
a room of enemies. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of like a puzzle game in the sense of uh, you have to figure out how to successfully take out, you know, all the people in the room. But the problem is, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tetris. Uh-oh. Yeah, the gameplay leaves a lot to be desired, but uh oh. From a uh oh, what's going on? I don't know. From a story perspective, it's about as perfect as you can get. I would say. I mean, it's it's you know it's television quality, right? I don't know. I feel like I'm the wrong person to judge like what a perfect video game is just because I've been so casual with video games for so many years. Like if if you ask me, I'm bound to tell you Black Ops 2 is the perfect video game. It's a perfect game, baby. I mean, it's the the perfect Call of Duty game. But yeah, I would throw The Last of Us in there. Maybe even Uncharted 2. Uncharted... But I like the gameplay, though, for the Uncharted games and The Last of Us because I'm historically bad at video games. So those are games that, even on hard, I can manage to get through. You can manage. Yeah, I can figure it out. You can figure it out. Figure it out. All right. I am going to pause this in a second because if I don't stop. Yeah, you'll just keep going. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, we already at three minutes. Let me get one more Tetris in, man. <laughs> I gotta get my fix in. <laughs> Just one more Tetris, man. You see, you see the video when a, when a girl, she's asking her husband, like, is everyone else spending thousands of dollars on Candy Crush? <laughs> I <laughs> tried to show my girlfriend that video because I thought it was so fucking funny. He's like, I don't know if they're serious. If they're serious about it, that's what they're doing. If they're fucking serious, if they're fucking serious. God. Speaking of perfect, there are certain YouTube and uh, just internet videos in general that I feel are pretty perfect. That might be one of them. Yeah. Perfect uh, internet video is one where you don't need any context to understand (laughs) why it's funny. And it just is funny. I love how you're still going. <laughs> yeah, dude, this is this is bad. I'm about to get addicted to Tetris again. I was addicted because they released it on the uh, Nintendo Switch Online. They have it under the Game Boy section. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, it was bad. Did you play the multiplayer one? Was it like Tetris 85 or something like that? that oh, Tetris on? 99. Not, yeah. No, I did not. I'm not a multiplayer person. Like, multiplayer games, first of all, I'm bad at them. And two, I'm just not... I'm not interested in getting my butt kicked online. <laughs> like, that That just not does not appeal to me in any way. So, you just gotta get good at it, man. It was funny, because I used to... Uh, in the early 2000, well, the the mid to late aughts, as <laughs> as some people say, God. <laughs> some as some people say, 
uh, I was into Dance Dance Revolution, and I had bought the set for the PlayStation 2. I got it for the Xbox. Oh, nice. I got the dance pads. It came with the Xbox that I bought off Facebook Marketplace. Damn. They've been sitting in my trunk since then, though. They've been sitting in your trunk? Yeah. I think I'm just going to sell them. I don't know how much they're worth. There is a website called Price Charting. Oh, yeah? You can, uh, you can look up the price. The market prices of video games. I might have to check that out. Yeah, it's a neat little tool to figure out if you're paying too much for video games. Most of the time you're not because video games are just so goddamn expensive now. Should we talk about our trip to Disc Replay? Yeah, so we went to Disc Replay because Travis was very interested in going. Um, had you ever been to a yeah. Disc Replay? Yeah, I had okay. been there. Um, when I lived out here, I frequented there a bit. <laughs> But we don't have uh, any place like that. What we might do, we might have one. We might could. But they're few and far in between, and usually you're not going to find very much good stuff. Right. Um, but maybe I just haven't found like the hidden places yet. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we went to Disc Replay because I just wanted to have a look-see around, see what uh, see what they had. I just- almost, almost walked out. With the copy of Luigi's Mansion for the GameCube, but it didn't look like it was in the best shape. It was the Player's Choice Edition, and they wanted $80. That's the thing, is like, if you're going to spend $80 on a, a video game that's fucking more than 20 years old now, it's got to be in good condition. Yeah, like the copy of Mario Kart Double Dash that I paid 54 I wouldn't have been mad at paying eighty for it. Cause the case was in good condition, came with the manual, the disc was in good condition. Oh, I fucked up big time. The, the man, you done messed up. I done goofed. That's your out right there. You done messed up. He's about to mess up again. I, I was seriously about to fuck up again. You were like two milliseconds away from that <laughs> stick. <laughs> you got that by a frame. All right, it's time to clear some stuff. So I just got to get this out of the way. Damn, you haven't hit 45 yet? You've been building it up on one side and then getting out, knocking out chunks, though. Oh, shit. Yeah, you done messed it up now. Yeah, I fucked up. I fucked up. Oh, well. All right, we're done here. It's been funny if you hit retry and just started going again. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. So I can upgrade now for, to, five for $5.99. Don't do it. I will not be doing that. <laughs> I will not. I am going to look up that Tetris effect because that's supposedly... A really, really great version of Tetris. Got to play with Amazon Luna. What's that? Uh, it's like a streaming service for video games, basically. Ah, no, thank you. It's okay. Um, I can look it up real quick. I, I played one thing on it. It was called a uh, Ooblets. I want to say. So if I'm a if I'm a Prime member, 
which I am. I can play Hot Wheels Unleashed, Metal Slug. We were just talking about Hot Wheels. We were. We well, Mail Mole, and then End Zone, A World Apart. Have you seen um, the Nerf video games? I have not. So they, I've seen it. I haven't looked up gameplay for it. I just seen the cover art, but there's like a Nerf video game for the Switch. How I don't know. It might be like a first person shooter, but that would be awesome. That would be pretty sick. If the Switch just had like a Call of Duty, but with like a Nerf skin, and it actually played great. That is such a great idea for a video game to just <laughs> take the first person shooter mechanics of a popular shooter and nerf it out reskin them to be about children playing yeah. nerf guns in a neighborhood and then like like grenades and stuff can be like just like the nerf footballs and nerf balls that's such a good idea i hope those games are actually like that let's look it up real quick so are there any other books out there that you got your eye on well i think i've talked about it a little bit but i bought a few books in past trips to Barnes Noble, Barney's Nobly. So I think I'm pretty covered for a while. Okay, this looks, it looks like it might just be a skin of Fortnite, maybe. Ugh. We'll look it up after the show. Yeah, so I think I have enough books to last me for a while, but. I've got another one that I bought off Amazon, uh, Summer of Night by Dan Simmons. I think, yeah, you were mentioning that one. Yeah, I've read the first chapter, but I didn't bring it with me because it's a pretty thick book. I didn't it's feel a thick like, boy. Yeah, it's a thick, <laughs> it's a big boy. <laughs> That's a big boy right there. I didn't bring it with me. I just, I knew I wasn't going to read it on vacation. I brought my Switch. I haven't played my Switch. Damn. I'll probably play my new one tonight. Yeah, now you're going to get a new Switch. I'm play my new one tonight. <laughs> I wonder what Sean A is going to say when you get back. You gonna hide it? <laughs> no, 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 man. <laughs> I'm just gonna. No, man. I'm just gonna pull it out, and start playing with it, and see if she notices. <laughs> this has been fun, though. This has been a lot different from how we usually record. This is very different. Yeah, I'm hoping the editing process is rather quick. So, do you think if the editing process is quick, that will entice you to move? <laughs> I'm just like, hmm, it's quick. That's it. I'm so I uproot my whole life. <laughs> the problem with moving is I just have too much shit. And like, why do I have all these DVDs? Who has DVDs? I do. Who has I this many? Who has this many goddamn DVDs? What if I helped you? What if? What if I helped you? Who's got three Nintendo Switches? Fucking horse shit. That's not taking up too much space. Yeah, they're they're not taking up too much space. Um, yeah, this has been fun. What an interesting experience. Finally being able to record in person. We fucking did it. Fucking did we did not we accomplished two things. Okay. We both read fucking books and we recorded. I read a fucking book. And recording person. Yeah. We did it. What a milestone episode. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for us. So, uh, yeah. Travis, you want to 
I don't know who's who's taking the outro. Did we do an intro? We didn't do an intro. <laughs> we just started talking. Well, uh, I guess uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope this episode turns out the way we think it will. Hopefully, yeah. It, like like we said earlier, it could be uh, the best one yet, and then every episode after this will be a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about disappointments here. <laughs> yeah, we peaked on episode what thirty? Was thirty five? 34, 35. What episode are we on? No idea. Uh oh. Too many. <laughs> it's wild that we made it to this point. We peaked on episode 34. <laughs> or we hit an all time low. <laughs> Either way, thank you for listening. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember the term nerd is ready to eat for everyone. So find your passion, embrace it. Be the nerd that you are. Bye. Bye.